Welcome to the Seamland Podcast, I'm your host Seamland, and today we have a live Q&A on my YouTube channel. I answer different kinds of questions about inevitable fasting, nutrition, and supplementation. This episode is brought to you by Self-Decode. Self-Decode is a genetic decoding company. You can get personalized health recommendations based on your DNA and the latest scientific research. They have numerous different DNA reports for different areas of focus like weight loss, longevity, gastrointestinal health, cognition, and even mood. Recently, Self-Decode came out with their 2.0 software that incorporates artificial intelligence in generating DNA reports. It's the most advanced and comprehensive consumer DNA service in the world. You can get a 10% discount with the code SEAM at selfdecode.com. Head over to selfdecode.com and use the code SEAM for a 10% discount on your personalized DNA reports. Took some time, but uh, it was worth it. All right. So the question about the uh, grass-fed meat. So, yeah, like depends on your macros. If you're eating like a higher fat uh, macro ratio, then uh, it doesn't have to be lean. It can still be uh, fattier. Or, or if you're eating like a lower fat macro split and then uh, or eating like higher carb diet, then yeah, like a leaner piece of uh, meat would be a bit better for that. From a nutrition perspective, which one is better? Like, uh, yeah, like there are more of these like fat soluble vitamins in the fat. And uh, but there's also other compounds that you get from the lean meat, regardless if it has fat or not, like uh, creatine, carnitine, uh, iron, uh, all these different kinds of vitamins, minerals, you'd get them uh, still from the meat itself as well. So it depends a lot on your own uh, macros and uh, calories as well. Like uh, leaner meat is still uh, lower in calories and most people, well, let's say uh, a lot of people uh, would benefit from a slightly lower calorie intake in general. So um, yeah, personally, I, um, like I, when I do eat, let's say uh, lean or which one do I prefer, I usually, uh, I try to eat uh, like a moderate kind of fatty, fatty uh, meat. I don't go like a super fat, I don't go like a Wagyu <laughs> type of thing. And I don't go for like a lean, uh, lean steak either. Uh, so there aren't like a lot of these, uh, you know, there are like fat soluble vitamins in the fat, but uh, you can get some of them from the lean meat as well. And, um, uh, because it's not, it's not going to be zero fat, so. And the amount of fat you need isn't like a crazy amount. All right, let's keep going. And the same question of that uh, quality of the meat. Are the benefits of grass-fed also in the flesh or only in the fat? Well, uh, that's a good question. I think that um, the grass-fed uh, fat, grass-fed beef, that is, you know, fattier is healthier than uh, grain-fed fat, so to say. So the grain-fed fat tends to be uh, more inflammatory and uh, has more um, more of these, you know, toxins even and th- those kinds of things uh, compared to grass-fed fat. So yeah, like if you're eating fat, then the fat should be as high quality as possible because your body makes your own cells and cell membranes out of the fat that you eat. And if you're eating a bunch of like bad quality fats, especially, you know, the rancid oils and trans fats or whatnot, um, then that's going to be quite bad. It's not as bad as it is with grain-fed meat, uh, but it's still not as good as the grass-fed uh, fat, so to say. So yeah, like the fat should be as high quality. Uh, if you don't have access to uh, grass-fed uh, fattier beef, then you can choose to get it like the lean grain-fed beef and then, uh, and then add your healthy fats into there if you want to be like super uh, cautious with it. So... That's 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 the way I I should do, I should uh, or I would uh, do it. How do you get pale? Oh, sorry, <laughs> red pale skin. But how do you get a better skin uh, like yours? Uh, well, uh, 
I think I don't do like any special things uh, for my skin. Uh, I actually think that I don't take care of my skin at all. <laughs> like I kind of, you know, uh, don't, you know, I live in the countryside and I do a bunch of like exercise and those things. So I do think that I, I actually like uh, scruff wipe my face uh, too much, <laughs> a little bit. Uh, but yeah, like I, the things that I think are most important for skin health are like nutrition generally. So uh, eating a good anti-inflammatory diet uh, or, you know, a diet that doesn't cause you excess inflammation, a diet doesn't co doesn't cause oxidative stress and a diet that doesn't uh, damage the collagen tissue and doesn't damage the uh, kind of fibroblasts that hold the skin uh, intact or hold the skin upward. Uh, so uh, things that damage that usually are a lot of these uh, inflammatory oils, trans fats, uh, excess sugar consumption tends to do that uh, as well, like hyperglycemia, diabetes, those things damage the collagen tissue and make it more, you know, limp <laughs> for lack of a better word and uh, yeah it kind of falls down as a result of that a higher protein intake uh, helps with that uh, because your skin is made of protein and you need to rejuvenate that um, on a regular basis uh, yeah like a low protein diet is going to be bad from a collagen standpoint then you do want to eat some foods that have collagen like you know fish skin uh, fish has chicken skin um, uh, generally proteins as well as these uh, tendons and ligaments bone broth parts those are going to have like more glycine and collagen um, as well as like vitamin C that helps to recycle the uh, collagen. So um, yeah, that's kind of from a nutrition side, just eat a protein, not too much carbs, D don't become diabetic, don't eat, uh, don't eat like the inflammatory fats and uh, fruits and vegetables, those kinds of things, berries, those are all good for that. Other besides, uh, besides nutrition, then uh, I also think that uh, things like the red light device, red light therapy is a really awesome thing for the skin. Like a lot of the studies find that it uh, helps with acne, helps to clear out uh, different kinds of infections, helps to speed up wound healing, helps to uh, heal uh, scars. So yeah, I have a bunch of different red light devices. Usually from like work, like blue light itself, like the one that is you know shining on my face at the moment, and the artificial light coming from a screen that is also harmful for the skin like it damages the mitochondria damages the skin uh, co collagen tissue it causes oxidative stress in excess so uh yeah the, the excess blue light excess artificial light is also going to damage and speed up the skin aging so you need to kind of balance it with something like red light uh, or use like filters use blue blocking glasses and uh yeah you know these red light devices small ones i have actually just near here when i'm working usually in the morning when i start working on my left here I have the bright daylight lamp that is basically helps to kind of kick out the circadian rhythm, uh, give my body the signal that it's you know daytime, starts yes the circadian circadian clocks in the brain, uh, wakes me up nice and also have next to that I have the uh, red light as well so gonna get the full spectrum <laughs> so to say uh, full spectrum uh, the solar solar spectrum almost similar to that. Um, the red light is also yeah good for the uh, eyes uh, as long as you're not looking at the directly into that. Uh, so that's what I do mostly for my skin, which isn't like much. I don't use any. I don't use any creams or something. Uh, the sauna can be good for that. The cold is usually good for that. Kind of uh, slows down. At least, like in theory, slows down some of the um, processes that uh, go on there, like lowers inflammation, and that's also good. Uh, so yeah, just kind of all these all these things related to just this uh, hormetic lifestyle a little bit. Of course, excess stress is going to be bad. Not sleeping enough. Is gonna be bad uh, but yeah those are kind of the main uh, principles main general principles okay we have a bunch of questions now while we're yapping away what have you done to Bitcoin 
<laughs> what have you done? Well, I haven't done anything. Bitcoin uh, does what it does by itself. You're just gonna, you're just gonna pay attention to that. Um, do sauna suits work as good as a sauna if you keep them on longer? Well, it depends on the sauna suit and. Um, Generally, like you can mimic a lot of the benefits of uh, fasting on, of, of sauna if you just uh, elevate your uh, body temperature. So that can be anything. That can be exercise. That can be yeah, like a sauna suit. That can also be just sitting inside a car <laughs> with the windows closed and uh, sweating your ass off in there. Uh, but yeah, like the, just the elevation of the body temperature, core temperature is gonna dictate whether or not it uh, does have this uh, benefit, effect, beneficial effect, uh, mimicking a sauna. The sauna suits, I do think that they will have like a pretty profound effect on the heat shock proteins and the stuff like that because you are experiencing quite a lot of heat in there. Uh, are they as good as a sauna? Well, I don't think uh, they're going to be equally as good because you do, um, like, you're not going to elevate the temperature that much. Uh, you're going to only uh, elevate it, you know, maybe, you're going to get maybe like 70% of the results, something like that, I think. But you can compensate for that by just uh, staying in the sauna suit for longer or doing exercise in the sauna suit. <laughs> so I said, like, uh, that's probably going to ramp up the temperature uh, a lot. And the same applies to like exercising in a sauna. Like if you exercise in the sauna, then uh, you're going to get the benefits faster because your temperature rises faster. And uh, yeah, but it's also like more dangerous. Uh, Seema, I have a question. I'm on 18.6 indoor fasting for years now and I try to work out at around 10 a.m. It's usually on empty stomach since my feeding window is 12 to, 12 to 18. Would you change that in more beneficial way? Um, well, if you're only working out at 10 and you're eating at 12, then uh, that's not a problem because it's like two hours. That's uh, not uh, like super long. You're not going to go like catabolic <laughs> from a natural window. Any, from my own experience, I can say that anywhere, anything from like uh, four hours is still, uh, anything below 40 hours, four, four hours is uh, still safe in terms of muscle and uh, exercise and like adaptations. So you still can build muscle and you can still get stronger and progress at the gym if you uh, fast uh, less than four hours after the workout. But if you start to fast longer than four hours, then it's going to be quite hard to keep up with it. You can still use it greatly for fat loss, but it's kind of hard to like build muscle and strength uh, when you're doing uh, that, if you're fasting that long. Um, yeah, you can still work out on an empty stomach, uh, that's fine, as long as you ate enough uh, the night before. Bitcoin is doing autophagy, <laughs> well that can be for sure, for sure, like uh, autophagy is a uh, very, yeah, like a, it resembles a lot of this uh, recycling in any aspect, like your uh, personal lives and uh, any other thing. Just eliminating garbage. Uh, if if cannot afford grass-fed, etc., but on keto, low-carb, and fasting, also trying a 48 to 72-hour fast every month, is that still better? I don't know if too many factors to answer, but I will understand. Uh, well, grass-fed, uh, yeah, like it doesn't... Grass-fed, yeah, is, you know, healthier, more nutritious than grain-fed, but... Uh, and more ethical, but I don't think that uh, there's going to be a huge difference in terms of the final health, like, um, it's not going to matter if you're not exercising and it's not going to matter if you don't have, like, the other things uh, covered. Uh, so the grass-fed uh, is better, but, uh, and if you can afford it, yeah, for, for sure, go for it. Uh, but, yeah, I wouldn't, uh, like, super, I wouldn't be super worried about it. The only thing that you could uh, do is that if you are eating grain-fed, then just uh, stick to the leaner, leaner pieces of meat. What is your routine to counter long periods of sitting? 
well, uh, I actually don't sit, <laughs> or like I have a, like you know standing desk, the one that I'm standing in front of right now. So yeah, like I work standing all day. I uh, yeah, when I'm editing videos, when I'm writing, when I'm uh, doing the you know this uh, Q and A, I'm standing. So yeah, like I've gotten used to standing uh, very easily. Like I can stand for an entire day without any problems. I don't get tired from that. Uh, I do. I do take like a time off uh, during a daytime where I'm just you know stand, sitting down on the couch or the bed or something and uh, resting my legs. But yeah, like uh, it's not a big problem to uh, stand a lot of the time. If I am like sitting the, like in an airplane or in a bus or a car for a long time, then uh, what I would uh, usually do to break that is. Uh, like after I get up, you know, I would uh, try to do some sort of a mini mobility routine. Like I would uh, go down into a deep squat. That's a good thing to kind of gain back some of the ankle mobility. I would uh, do like a couch stretch, which uh, yeah, you can Google that. That basically that your um, you know what happens when you're sitting is that your uh, hip flexors get super tight, and you need to open them back up, so to say. So you have to kind of stretch them in the reverse. And the couch stretch is that you're grabbing your um, Basically, you're grabbing your feet, and you're at the same time you're doing like this uh, lunge, mini lunge, with the one leg and uh, pulling up the uh, other leg. So that is one one good way to kind of uh, open up the hips again. But yeah, any kind of just mobility, shaking off, moving, walking, any any kind of a thing. Also, I have like this a vibration plate, which is good, just gonna vibrate your entire body. Uh, but yeah, just any kind of movement and a bit of stretching and mobility. Do you use a roller to untangle their muscles? Yes, I have a foam roller. Yeah, I do that like at least once a week. I do like a, a bit longer uh, foam rolling session, uh, sometimes twice a week if I'm feeling like, super sore. But uh, yeah, like I don't really get, at least at the moment, I don't feel like I'm getting uh, that sore. I do uh, get tight a bit, but uh, yeah, the foam roller can, tends to um, alleviate that uh, quite easily. And just you know, doing the mobility exercises on a regular basis also prevents uh, getting stiff. Is NAD plus and carbs a bad combo? Well, uh, depends on uh, what you mean by that. Like, uh, are you taking uh, some sort of NAD supplement with carbs? <laughs> or, uh, or is that the carbs themselves are bad for NAD metabolism? Uh, well, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try to think about... So if you're taking uh, any kind of NAD together with carbs, then it probably doesn't have like any effect, or it doesn't matter like whether you take it on an empty stomach or whether you take it on with food. Arguably, maybe it would be better with empty stomach, but uh, I don't think that it matters. Uh, does do carbs have like a bad effect on NAD plus? Well, I think that uh, the carbohydrate. Well, let's say like diabetes and uh, hyperglycemia, insulin resistance, those would maybe have a bad effect on your NAD levels because of uh, increasing inflammation and uh, preventing the recycling of NAD through the salvage pathway. Because the salvage pathway of NAD, that, uh, where, where most of your NAD, daily NAD is produced, uh, is actually governed by this AMPK. And AMPK sensor is the sensor that is activated by these energetic stressors like exercise, ketosis, fasting, um, and those kinds of things. So uh, I think that if you're if you're like at least if you're like hyperglycemic, you're you know constantly uh, in this diabetes, <laughs> then uh, then that may be uh, bad for the recycling of the NAD as well as uh, lowering it down. But uh, other than that, I don't think it's a huge difference.
All right, let's carry on. Often I play football, soccer quite late in the evening and I don't eat when I come home. Is that a good way to kickstart a 16 hour fast, burning the stored glycogen right off the bat? Well, uh, depends on uh, how long before was the last time you ate. So uh, if you ate right before the soccer and then you fasted afterwards, then uh, I don't think that is going to be like a huge, huge issue uh, because of, yeah, like you're still burning some of the uh, food that you ate beforehand. And uh, yeah, like even if you are, let's say, depleting the glycogen, like, you know, low glycogen is not going to be an issue. It's not going to be make you catabolic or it's not going to uh, re reduce your recovery, um, in essence, uh, or it's not going to be harmful for your health if you have low glycogen stores. It's just that you may feel you may feel less recovered the next day if you do that. Um, I don't think uh, that it's like a huge issue. It may it may like uh, be uh, somewhat harmful for like muscle metabolism. Like uh, what you could do like it's just like drink if you don't want to eat, then you can drink some like essential amino acids or take a protein shake or something like that uh, after the soccer game, and that will be enough, so to say. Uh, but uh, yeah, if you don't notice any bad negative side effects uh, from that in terms of your like exercise or uh, muscle mass or something, then uh, you can keep doing what you're doing. Uh, what do you think about NoFap? Is there any science behind it? <laughs> uh, well, uh, I do remember uh, doing some research a few years ago when uh, there was that the no when you're yeah abstaining from ejaculation, then your testosterone increases until day seven or something, and after day seven uh, it doesn't, uh, so to say, so uh, it plateaus out. So yeah, like maybe the maximum you could ever go would be seven days if you want to uh, boost your testosterone levels a little bit, uh, but any longer than that, like weeks or months, <laughs> probably isn't, uh, isn't gonna be necessary and may not be healthy that either. Uh, other than that, like, uh, yeah, like, it depends on your personal uh, life or personal, um, you know, uh, characteristics. So, like, if you are very addicted to that, addicted to porn or something, then, uh, yeah, it can be a good thing uh, to abstain from that, to kind of reset your dopamine receptors and uh, re-establish your, like, uh, sanity. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, other than that, depends on the person, I think. Uh, do you think collagen can be used in place of whey protein for muscle building, or is it far less useful for building muscle tissue? Yeah, well, collagen doesn't have uh, almost any of the uh, essential amino acids, um, as well as the anabolic amino acids. So it doesn't have like leucine, it doesn't have methionine, and other things that uh, help to promote uh, this uh, muscle protein synthesis. And uh, you need muscle protein synthesis, you need all the essential amino acids, the nine of them, to uh, start the uh, basic muscle building process and whey protein has all of them it has all the bcas the eaas also, also the non-essential amino acids so yeah for muscle building purposes whey is uh, the way to go <laughs> for sure uh, the collagen has you know uh, glycine and uh, hydroxyproline and the things that help with it like the collagen and the soft the cartilage tissue but for muscle growth itself uh, the whey is uh, way better <laughs> but uh, yeah like i personally take a bit both both of them uh, because, yeah, you don't get, like, a substantial amount of glycine from uh, whey. 
what's the best intervention or supplement to mitigate damage from a cheat meal like fast food? Well, I think it depends on the fast food. If you're eating, like, let's say, a bunch of carbs, a bunch of sugar, your blood sugar is spiked through the roof, <laughs> then, uh, then in that case, you just want to lower your blood sugar levels. And, uh, well, the best non-supplemental way to do that is to just go for a walk. So just a 10-minute, 15-minute walk is going to be amazing for uh, cutting down the postprandial blood sugar response uh, quite fast. Uh, supplements that help that or speed it up is uh, chromium. So we talk a lot about chromium in the mineral fix. And yeah, I, I didn't like uh, fully realize how awesome it is actually in terms of uh, the uh, blood sugar and insulin, uh, insulin response. So it makes your, it kind of makes the insulin work better and uh, promotes promotes insulin sensitivity, helps to lower blood sugar by doing that. And uh, yeah, a lot of people, well, let's say the chromium is very commonly used to uh, treat diabetes uh, and uh, insulin resistance. So yeah, like uh, if I, my, I personally as well, like if I am eating like a high carb meal, then I usually take uh, chromium picolinate is the, is the best uh, form of that. And uh, yeah, you also like lose a bunch of chromium from sweat. So uh, from exercise as well as the sauna, if you're taking a bunch of saunas, then you are losing chromium as well as some other minerals from there. So yeah, you would want to kind of uh, supplement some chromium if you are eating a bunch of carbs and you're uh, sweating a bunch. Other way, other supplements, like there's also the berberine, which is a kind of met safer metformin, and uh, that's also good for uh, kind of reducing glucose absorption and uh, lowering uh, blood sugar. How many times a week do you work out? Is it good to have a little workout plus your main training in the same day, e.g. pull-ups and dips at morning and few push-ups in the afternoon? Uh, I personally work out uh, about... Uh, well, I think you at least like five times a week and two days are like super easy rest days and uh, Yeah, I f I Focus a lot on the resistance training, but I do cardio as well like twice a day at least twice a week at least uh, Do I think that you should do uh, like uh, several several day uh, or, or like several workouts a day? I personally don't think uh, that's uh, like a really smart idea Or at least like you don't need to do that so, uh, because, you know, the problem is that if you're doing the several workouts, then one of those workouts is going to suffer a little bit. So you're just, you know, half-assing it. <laughs> so you're half-assing the one workout and uh, you're interfering with the recovery from the other workout. So, yeah, like, I personally think that it's much better for at least the muscle growth and strength to have this one workout where you're hitting the body super hard with the right, you know, intensities and actually triggering growth, triggering adaptations, and then you recover. You go into this rest mode. And you wait you know, even like several days before you hit that same muscle again to allow your body to recover. So that is the most optimal way, at least I think. Uh, and uh, a higher frequency training uh, can work if you can train every day uh, and still make gains from that. But you, it's very hard to do that uh, consistently all the time, especially if you're doing like several several work workouts a day, because you know one is one thing is going to eventually suffer. You will definitely like burn calories and lose fat with it. Uh, but uh, progressing uh, is going to eventually hit the plateau. So yeah, instead of like half-assing it, just uh, go whole ass into one workout and uh, get it done with. Dun, dun, dun. Any best combo of foods and supplements to counter a few beers? <laughs> uh, well, I think uh, that the... Alcohol, well, there are 
ways to uh, help with alcohol, let's say detox, detoxifying alcohol. Um, like drinking water helps with that, at least uh, before falling asleep. That's what I know from uh, my own experience. Uh, there's also like these uh, binders, activated charcoal, uh, spirulina probably can do that. Those things uh, will help to uh, you know bind to the alcohol. I uh, think there are, I've heard about some of these like probiotics can also have like these specific bacteria that eat up the uh, ethanol or the aldehydes, you know, things that they get metabolized uh, from alcohol and so that prevents like a hang hangover. But I don't, I don't remember the specific uh, probiotics that do that. Uh, but other than that, uh, I would say that uh, just like even caffeine can probably do that by just, you know, giving your body some uh, energy and uh, boosting things like autophagy and uh, AMPK activation and uh, those kinds of things. Would 100 grams of carbs per day still be considered low carb? I would like to keep as much benefits as possible from eating low carb without losing all the fluids to avoid electrolyte imbalances. Well, the, what is low carb or what is keto is, uh, yeah, pretty, I think it varies between people. Some people can get away with eating 100 grams. Some people can get away with only eating 20 grams. Uh, so yeah, like what is low carb depends a lot on your uh, insulin sensitivity, your glycogen storage, your muscle mass, your exercise uh, activity, how much you're moving around, how many calories you're burning, and all those kinds of things. Uh, I personally think that, yeah, 100 grams is still pretty low carb. Uh, it's not keto, it's not keto, but it's still a lower carb. Um, a high carb, in my opinion, would be any, anything above 150 grams. Uh, but even then, it doesn't matter. Like, what matters more is, yeah, like how your body responds and whether or not you get high blood sugar and whether or not your body can handle that, that amount of carbs. So, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like really worry about uh, trying to hit a certain amount of carbs if you're not planning to get into de deep ketosis anyway. You're gonna get some benefits after becoming keto adapted, um, but yeah, you don't have to like worry about unless you are planning to stay in deep ketosis. Then uh, just worrying about the carbs is not gonna be uh, that important. Do you have any backup longevity strategies such as cryo freezing? <laughs> well, I haven't gotten my uh, myself frozen. I haven't gotten like any kind of this uh, transhumanist uh, things uh, done for sure. I haven't done, uh, yeah, yeah, no, no such strategies yet. <laughs> or I don't think that I would do anything like that because of yeah, it's a pretty weird. Uh, oh my. Oh, my eating window is a 6 to 12, and in my fasting window is after 12 to the morning. At night, I train. What was the question? Okay, what was... I, I must have missed... Must have missed the question. Alright, let's carry on. Damn it, the scrolling. There's so many questions, it scrolls away. Any thoughts on improving sleep while fasting? Well, it depends on, yeah, like, you sh there is gonna be some, uh, like, uh, let's say, worse sleep quality if you are going on an extended fast. It's gonna be natural for you to not be able to fall asleep that easily. Uh, a lot of it has to do, you're gonna deal with that to a certain extent, so you're not gonna get the best sleep, probably, if you're doing extended fasting. 
Uh, and what I've also found that kind of your sleep demand uh, generally goes down if you are fasting because you know, you're not really eating, you're not probably exercising that much, you're not causing your body that much damage, and you're also in ketosis that has these neuroprotective effects and uh, brain benefits. So uh, yeah, your probably sleep demand goes down a bit if you are fasting, but uh, regardless, some things that you can do is, uh, what I found is that uh, just you know, drinking some kind of a warm liquid is going to be good to uh, help with that. Some teas, uh, maybe I would think, I would imagine like glycine can also pro probably do that, like a higher dose magnesium, anything that kind of uh, relaxes you and smooths smooths your muscles or you know makes you chill out a bit. <laughs> so that those kinds of things uh, will probably help with that. And then you naturally would want to uh, be you, because you're gonna, if you are very tired, then you're going to fall asleep no matter what, and you're almost like docile. Though then it's going to be going to be uh, quite easy to fall asleep. So. Just, yeah, like walking around a little bit can also help, especially during daytime. Getting sunlight uh, and building up the sleep drive, that will also help. Because, yeah, like your sleep drive goes down because you're, you know, not burning that much calories or you're not exerting yourself that much when you're fasting. But you, you can also make the mistake that you're not moving around at all, uh, which uh, because of that, you're not going to sleep that sleep uh, well. Whereas if you are, you know, burning yourself, burning some calories a little bit and moving around, then uh, you're building up the sleep drive. Because the more the more you exercise, the uh, bigger your sleep drive is and the, hard, the easier it is for you to stay, to fall asleep. Thanks, dude. You have motivate, motivated me a lot to stay healthy and try to go to the extra level. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Get to the next level. What are your thoughts about combining approaches like fasted workouts, flavonoids, i.e. fisetin, quercetin, and or AMPK activators to leverage more robust autology and synalytic effects? Yes, I have done that uh, for sure myself. And I do think that uh, every once in a while it is a good way if you're like fasting for the sake of these longevity pathways and uh, clearing out senescent cells and boosting more autology, then uh, yeah, it's... Uh, does uh, make sense to combine those things uh, to a certain extent at least like some mini exercise like um, not a hard exercise but yeah like walking again maybe doing some form of easy cardio for a few minutes or a little bit of calisthenics something like that they, they generally uh, activate these pathways and you're gonna get the benefits of the fast the faster uh, when it comes to these uh, flavonoids and the uh, supplements AMP actuators um, then uh, yeah, fisetin, quercetin, they do uh, have senolytic properties. So yeah, like it would make sense more more sense to take them uh, when you're fasting, so that you would uh, kind of ramp up or kind of kickstart the boost and uh, get it uh, faster. I, I, I some other things that also work with that would be coffee and uh, teas, green tea, um, maybe like berberine as well. But uh, berberine can be problem that you're gonna get too low blood sugar, so. Uh, <laughs> Have to be careful. Do, do, do. Where do you live? I live in Estonia. Is it normal for bowel movement to decrease when on keto and intermittent fasting, or is it more on constipation? Well, uh, it's shoot like in theory if you're eating less food in volume then uh, yeah like the bowel movements would uh, decrease uh, because yeah like if you're eating six times a day <laughs> all the time and all of those meals are like uh, high in fiber and a bunch of just massive food volume then yeah you're gonna have more of the food stuff 
in your stomach and eventually gonna come out whereas on keto um, you do eat fiber and uh, foods but uh, the kind of the volume of food uh, tends to go down a little bit because it's higher in calories and uh, yeah and the same with uh, fasting if you're eating only twice a day once a day then uh, yeah the amount of food decreases so yeah it makes sense that you're not going to the bathroom that often as well but uh, even myself uh, I've never uh, I've, I've still uh, you know at least once a day I've still uh, gone even if I'm doing keto and fasting together uh, so yeah I think I think at least once a day is a still a good thing it may be a few days that you skip but uh, like chronic if you're not going into the bathroom for like three five days uh, then yeah that's gonna be probably uh, constipation related uh, or just something ir irregular for that, um, it could also be uh, salt, not enough salt. So salt also helps w with that. Uh, salt helps with the stomach acid, uh, helps with digestion, helps with the thyroid. So uh, yeah, maybe salt, uh, drinking salted water, like the salt flush is uh, this one thing that people uh, use for constipation as well as just you know the bowel. Uh, that can be something to try. Um, if you're chronically also constipated, then that can also be like low thyroid. So uh, just being on keto too long for sure can uh, cause low thyroid. Doing too much fasting can lead to low thyroid. So yeah, can be like many, many issues. Do you use infoceuticals during fasting? Which ones do you find most beneficial? Well, I did. I do. If I if I were to take them, I would take them. Yeah, like uh, in the fasted state as well in the morning usually and. Uh, because it's not is like zero calories, <laughs> so it's not it's not anything that has calories. It's just this you know uh, information in the water. Uh, what I found the most useful, the ones I took was uh, the ones I took uh, most often uh, were um, I can't remember exactly, but it's like uh, was testosterone. There was uh, something related to yeah, analytics, AMPK activator, and yeah, like a bunch of those kinds of things. There's also like a bunch of these complexes that combine all these uh, AMPK and uh, other pathways in there. So it's quite an interesting thing. But uh, yeah, like um, we would need to have more of these like information, more studies on uh, whether or not it actually works. What's your favorite book? Well, my favorite is uh, Viktor Frankl's uh, Man's Search for Meaning. So uh, the uh, Auschwitz uh, survivor, Holocaust survivor. And yeah, it's one of the best books in terms of like understanding how the human mind works and uh, just, you know, as well as the just reading about the kind of things uh, these those people went through. So it kind of puts things into perspective about, uh, yeah, like what is possible of uh, what you can do with your mind and uh, also like makes you more grateful about uh, everything you have. What program do you recommend for noob beginning strength training people or, or starting strength? Uh, well, I uh, the first uh, program I started with uh, was the uh, starting strength or the strong lifts uh, five by five. So uh, the main compound lifts: squat, bench, deadlift, overhead press, uh, rows. So doing that and uh, five by five, five reps, five sets, and the workouts were like three times a week, something like that. I did that for the first uh, when I first started, and I think it is a good. It can be for sure like a really good baseline. Some people may find it it's less suitable for some people who have like, who let's say yeah, like if you have like some injuries or uh, you don't have like any like sports experience at all, then it can be a bit more intense. 
Uh, so you maybe you should try with something that has like a lighter weights and uh, higher reps. But yeah, generally, uh, I start. I think that starting with some strength is gonna be good, good uh, point. Although it is easier to build strength if you also also have already like a bunch of muscle. Um, but uh, yeah, depends on your goals. Like if you want to be more powerlifting oriented, then more strength based. And if you want to be more physique or aesthetic oriented, then uh, a bit higher reps. Which book has had the most impact on your life? <laughs> well, the man's search for meaning is uh, probably one of them. And uh, the second one, uh, I think, is uh, Power versus Force uh, by Dr. David Hawkins, which is also like, uh, was well, a kind of different book, but it talks about like, like the human mind as well and the consciousness and uh, those kinds of things. And this third one would be, uh, I think, Mastery by uh, Robert Greene. So like Mastery... Master your craft, whatever it master, whatever that craft is. It can be writing, it, it can be uh, video creating, it can be uh, yeah, any sport. So yeah, just focus on like, getting good at something, and uh, yeah, that's where like the mastery comes from. All right, it scrolled up again. Damn it! How fast do depleted glycogen stores refill to full after an exhausting hit if you only eat protein and fat? Longer than 24 hours, does it refill faster if you would just eat carbs? Thank you. So, um, yeah, you, you can restore your glycogen uh, with just fasting and without eating any carbs because your body will uh, convert fat and uh, protein into uh, glycogen. Or glucose that goes into glycogen. So, um, how long does it take? I think I do remember one study where they took and they saw that the people who fasted after workout their glycogen stores still replenished. I don't remember the exact hour, like how how long did it took, but it was a bit slower than the uh, when the the group than the group who took uh, the carbs after the workout. So the carbs they help to uh, speed it up. They uh, replenish glycogen faster. Uh, I don't remember yet yeah, the exact hours of uh, how long does it take. Uh, but yeah, like I think by within the 24-hour mark, both of the uh, groups had the glycogen stores uh, topped off again. So yeah, at least 20, you, yeah, like within 24 hours, you can still refill the glycogen at least to a certain to uh, the the majority majority of that, uh, even if you're not eating anything. But it does uh, happen faster if you're eating carbs. So the carb loading after workout is more important if you're uh, like supposed to work out the next day already again. And you want to just uh, speed up recovery. How do I get rid of fatty liver? Well, um, the most important thing is to uh, remove the things that cause the fatty liver. So, a bunch of you know excess calorie intake, excess carbohydrate intake. Excess fat intake in some cases can also cause that. Uh, just yeah, like uh, overnourishment, over overeating, generally causes that. And uh, high amounts of these uh, high fructose corn syrup appears to do that. I'm not sure. I don't think that the, that applies to like natural fruit, uh, but the kind of artificial fructose and uh, high fructose corn syrup, uh, those kinds of things, that generally do uh, cause that. And the way you get rid of that is to yeah, just start losing weight, uh, kind of reestablish insulin sensitivity, fix metabolic syndrome. Start eating a kind of clean diet, and uh, yeah, eventually it's, it's just gonna take time because your body will burn it for energy. 
Is there a form of magnesium that breaks a fast, glycinate or something? Well, I don't, <laughs> I don't think that it does, because uh, it's gonna be so insignificant that it, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, so magnesium doesn't have like calories. How does green tea affect nutrients absorption? So it does, green tea does, uh, basically, it may uh, interfere with some of the nutrient absorption, uh, especially if you're taking it with the food, um, but uh, not all of it. So most of them are going to be like iron and maybe zinc, but uh, yeah, the other ones, I don't think that it happens to a certain, to a like, significant degree. So, and you know, the green tea abs absorbing to iron is, can be good to prevent excess iron intake. So uh, actually, yeah, like drinking coffee with meat <laughs> is going to reduce a lot of the iron that you're going to get from the meat. So that can be actually a good thing. Uh, I've lost weight through fasting. I'm insulin resistant. So what vegetables can I take after fasting to gain weight? Well, uh, the... Well, the vegetables, uh, it's hard to gain weight when you're eating uh, vegetables. Uh, so after a fast, you generally need more protein instead of uh, like this low calorie, uh, like celery or something like that, or spinach. Uh, so of course you can eat them, but uh, like they, they're, they're never going to be providing your body the amino acids and uh, the protein that you need to repair and rebuild. So yeah, to gain regain weight, some of the weight that you lost, uh, I would imagine you want to you don't want to gain the, the fat back. <laughs> you want to gain just muscle. So yeah, just a higher protein intake is gonna do that. Boom boom. Do you think uh, processed sugars like milk chocolate should be avoided at all costs? Uh, well, I don't think that sugar itself isn't like that bad because uh, you know it's sugar. Your body makes sugar. Your your blood sugar. You know, your bloodstream has sugar in it all the time. It's just a matter of how much is it. And, uh, you know, sugar itself, you, you, you can't really mess with it that much. Like, yeah, you can create, like, dextrose out of it, and you can create some other forms of it. Uh, but sugar is kind of a sugar, and uh, your body knows how to deal with that. And it gets it from almost, like, all foods. You get it from, you know, the, the glucose in vegetables also gets into uh, glucose. Uh, so, uh, but, yeah, processed sugar has, like, fructose as well, which... Um, Again, like can be tied to the uh, fatty liver t link, but if you're not overeating it, if you're not in a calorie surplus, then I don't think that's happening. This is not going to happen. Um, so I don't think that you should avoid them all. It's not needed to avoid them at all costs. And it also ha it matters, like what is it uh, combined with? So like a milk chocolate, uh, milk uh, chocolate may have like more of these trans fats, and uh, it also has like cacao or you know other beneficial stuff. But you know it, it com comes with this uh, trans fat bomb, <laughs> so. Yeah, it may not be the sugar that's the most issue. Like the trans fats, I would imagine, are worse than the sugar. And uh, even like canola oil or vegetable oils, those tend to be much worse for your health than uh, sugar, so to say. You can burn off sugar, like you can go for a walk and the sugar is gone <laughs> because you burn it off. Dun, 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 dun. Can you make a video about male boldness and preventing receding hairlines? Well, I don't uh, know that much about it, <laughs> so uh, I've never researched it uh, that thoroughly. I know it has to do with like DHT conversion and uh, some things uh, raise the DHT. Uh, and I, as I understand, is you, you can't really do much about it in terms of uh, completely like preventing it. It matters like your genetics matter, and it matters yeah like your lifestyle can uh, 
contribute to that you can only slow it down <laughs> so to say and yeah like you can just check out the uh more plates more dates uh, channel so he has like a lot of uh hair hair stuff talk talks about that but yeah i, I haven't researched it myself dun, dun, dun. i stopped omad as exercise three hours a day as felt crap i now do more of a 14 15 hour fast will i still get autophagy benefits with the higher exercise well, yeah, absolutely. Like uh, exercise also activates autophagy, and uh, yeah, I, even I don't think I don't think there's not going to be a huge difference between the 16-8 uh, fasting window and OMAD in terms of the autophagy. Uh, yeah, like OMAD may elevate more autophagy because you're fasting for longer, but if you're exercising more on the uh, 16 or the 14 and 15 hour fast, then uh, whereas with the OMAD you're exercising less, then you're still going to get more of the autophagy from the one that you're doing exercise with. So exercise is actually a much faster and more stronger stimulus for uh, stimulating autophagy because the amount of stress you're experiencing is much higher. Uh, with OMAD, yeah, you can still exercise, but yeah, like if you're kind of hitting a plateau and not making any progress, then uh, yeah, kind of change something up. Have you any experience or advice with circadian rhythm disorders like delayed sleep phase disorder? And you think, well, I don't think, and it doesn't ring me uh, anything in particular with that particular order, but uh, well, it's uh, like everyone has their own uh, circadian rhythm already. Like there isn't, everyone's circadian rhythm isn't exactly the same. And uh, even if you are, like, yeah, the default human circadian rhythm is that uh, you start producing cortisol at 6 a.m. and peaks at 7 a.m. and your testosterone is highest at 9 a.m. and <laughs> your highest strength is at uh, 4 p.m. and your melatonin starts at 9 p.m., etc. Those are all, like, on paper, so to say, that in the real world, like, everyone has a bit of, like, their genetics and their lifestyle. Like, when do you wake up? When do you start the... Uh, circadian rhythm with the, with the morning daylight? Those things are gonna affect that. Uh, so I think the most important thing is to just try to establish this uh, consistency break on a cycle and uh, try to stick to it as much as possible. So the consistency is your brain loves habits, your uh, body loves habits as well, and the circadian rhythms, uh, circadian clocks love habits, and uh, is only going to be harmful if you're messing up the uh, rhythm all the time. And if you are sticking to that rhythm as much as possible, then uh, yeah, almost any kind of sleep schedule is going to be uh, just fine. There are like yeah some uh, things that you still need to pay attention to that don't sleep until noon and don't stay up until like 3 a.m. all the time. So but there are like deviating from the regular circadian rhythm with a few hours is still fine. Yeah, and you know try to wake up in the morning as much as possible. So getting the morning sunlight tends to fix things. So if you are going to start to wake up all the time with the sunrise or as close to it as possible, then uh, yeah your body will eventually kind of at least um, try to align the circadian clocks uh, with that. Du -du -du. Let's take a question. Uh, what do you think about the carnivore diet as an elimination diet? Yeah, well, it can be definitely. It is the ultimate elimination diet because you're only eating meat. Um, or yeah, like you know, the carnivore diet. You can also include eggs and fish. Uh, but 
the ultimate elimination diet would be yeah, just like meat and like beef or something like that. I think that in the short term it can uh, certainly be uh, useful and it works for a lot of people. But, you know, chronically, I think that you're doing it for the rest of your life um, can also like, at least it may, may make you more sensitive towards uh, certain foods. Like, uh, I believe a lot in this uh, microdosing <laughs> concept that you microdose these kinds of different allergies because you don't want to develop, especially like carbs. You know, because if you're in ketosis all the time, you become uh, insulin resistant and uh, you lose the ability to burn carbs that effectively. And uh, that's why to prevent that, cyclical ketosis is good, as well as the cyclical side to eating some allergies. Yeah, like you don't want to eating, or at least like if you don't have any allergies, then you should microdose them. <laughs> you should like microdose the gluten if you don't have a gluten allergy. But if you have a severe gluten allergy, celiac disease or something like that, then yeah like of course you can have it uh, but yeah like the average people healthy people who don't have any allergies then avoiding those foods all the time i don't think that is going to be that smart it may make you like more fragile if you use that concept whereas the microdosing <laughs> concept you microdose the gluten every once in a while you introduce it to your system so your body knows how to deal with it in small amounts and it kind of keeps this memory alive okay this is how you this is this is this i know what it is etc Do you lose muscle fasting 20 plus, 20 plus hours every day? Well, that depends on your uh, balance between muscle protein synthesis and muscle protein breakdown. So if you're breaking down more muscle protein than you're synthesizing, then you're going to lose muscle. And uh, things that would make you more catabolic, make you more lose muscle are low calorie intake, low protein intake, too much exercise, too much cardio, not sleeping, and uh, those kinds of things. Uh, things would make you build muscle are higher protein intake, calories calorie surplus resistance training does that and sleeping enough so yeah like it's a balance between the two like i'm eating i fast almost like 20 plus hours almost every day so uh yeah i haven't lost muscle <laughs> so i actually build it so you know yeah it's a balance between uh, those things if you're eating enough calories and you're not eating enough protein then you're not gonna lose lose the muscle all right that's it for this episode share it with a friend and tag us on social media platforms as well you can also check out the show notes for all the topics that we discussed in here. But other than that, thanks for listening to this episode. My name is Seem. Stay tuned for the next one. Stay empowered.